0: Good morning, Radiate. Man, I am honored that you are a part of our mixtape series yet again this Sunday. Listen, you have heard from some incredible speakers and people already all the month of July, and today is no different. I get to introduce you to another good friend of mine. He pastors Soul Church in Clayton, North Carolina. Um, He's been a friend of mine for a long time. In fact, He's uh, a part of a friend group that I connected with several years ago that if I'm honest, I don't know where I'd be in life or ministry if it weren't for those guys in my life. To become brothers and friends for me and Brad has been a big part of that. Brad pastors Soul Church, like I already said. He's doing an amazing job in Clayton, North Carolina leading people closer to Jesus and, and just helping people grow their faith in an extraordinary way. I'm super excited for you guys to meet and hear from Brad today. So I want to introduce to you Brad Barber, pastor of Soul Church in Clayton, North Carolina, but I want to give him a big Radiate welcome. I know you're getting your notebooks and your pens ready, everything ready, but if you would, stand to your feet for me real quick, put your hands together and welcome Brad Barber to the stage today. Come on, Brad. Let's get this thing going. Radiate Church, how are we doing this morning?
1: Man, it is so, so... Hold on, don't sit down. Who told you to sit down, bro? I got to stand for like 30 minutes. Y'all got to stand for 30 seconds. As Brandon... I'm a little insulted. Brandon called me a friend. Pastor Brandon called me a friend. I, I think he's my brother. Um, the Bible says that brothers are born for adversity. And uh, I just echo what he said. I would not be here today if it wasn't for people like him and him specifically. And so uh, I don't know where he... He's probably on some beach with a... <laughs> I was going to say umbrella drink, version umbrella drink, you know, but uh, why don't you just put your hands together, let him know you love him, put your hands together as well. Welcome all those joining us online. Now you can have a seat. I'm always jealous when I teach and preach to people online because they're still in stretchy pants. And you put jeans on this morning, you put your khakis on, whatever you're wearing, but we're, we, we love you, we're just jealous of you. Um, and, but whatever, it's uh, truly an honor to be with you this morning. My wife is with me on the front row. Let's go. I got a family, you wanna see my family? Well, you're gonna see them. Like I don't, I don't. You don't need my. I don't need your permission. But uh, this is my family from a few weeks ago at the beach. My wife. We just celebrated 15 years recently. Oh you know, I used to say, well, like you were, you're, Some of you are in like single digits, and nobody cares. You've been married six years. <laughs> Kim Kardashian's been married six years and six times. Like you get to 15, people are like, oh. So we got three uh, kids. My oldest, Everett. Right there on the right, my little girl, uh, Willow Destry, and then Beckham. Uh, He is so full of life, so full of energy. That is not a tooth he lost. That is a tooth he knocked out. And I think I'm going to be really, I think we're going to get his permanent tooth pulled like when it comes in because that's just like his trademark thing now. And I don't know that he would be the same without it. But here's here's something as I think about my family and I think about especially my kids, like I love these kids. Like, I love them. I would do anything for them. I would die for them. I would live for them, all that stuff. Um, I love them. I love their ages, nine, seven, and six. I love the stage of life they're in. I love what they're doing. But here's also the truth, is they need to grow up. Like, I fully, parents, hear me, you, you understand this. I fully love them exactly where they are. But I also acknowledge they can't stay there forever. Like it was cute when you were one and you had a bib on at your one-year-old birthday party and you were eating your cake with your face. If I show up to your 33rd birthday and you're eating a cake with your face, technically I don't know how else you eat a cake. You know what I mean? It's not so cute anymore. Like there's going to come a day where my kids... Have to grow up and have to move out, amen. And I told my oldest when he turned nine, I said, nine more years, bro. <laughs> the eviction process has started. Like I, I'm not the you're 27. You're not living with me, bro. 18 is all you got. You're on your own. It's time. Uh, it, it's really fun and cute. Like still cutting my kids' steaks. I'm not doing that much longer." Because they have to grow up. And there's two realities that exist for not just me as a dad with my kids, but the reality that exists with us and God as well is that, number one, on one hand, God loves you exactly where you are. He loves who you are today, not just who you will be one day. There is nothing you could do today to make God love you any more than he already does. But, it's a big but. Big but. He also wants you to grow up. Yeah, that's good. Two things, it's not either or. It's not, well, God doesn't love me now, but if I do this and go to church and I mature and grow and read my then he'll love No, no, no. He fully loves you now. He actually likes you now, too. Because some of us think he loves us, but he doesn't like us. No, 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 he likes you. But he also wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature. He wants you to move forward into all that he's called and created you to be. See, you can stay exactly where you are today, because there's some of us in this place where we have made a decision to follow Jesus, we have put our trust in him as Lord and Savior, and congratulations, you are going to heaven. There is nothing else you have to do. You don't have to work backwards to earn the gift of God through Jesus and his blood. On a, You don't have, no, 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 that's done, but there's more ahead of you. Because he said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And we have, we have missed the mark on this idea as Christians that one day, oh, one day, Jesus did not just die so that you could have a one day in heaven. He died for you to have life and life to the full. And so he does not want you to stay stuck. He does not want you to stay unhealed. He does not want you to stay bound in the chains of addiction or whatever's holding you down this morning. He wants you to move forward. Turn with me if you have a Bible to to Luke chapter 2 because I want to teach from the subject Today of growing up. Would you just turn to somebody around you while I find the scripture? And Oh God, I lost my place. Just turn to somebody real quick and tell them grow up. Grow up. Some of you have been waiting to tell your husband that for, for a long time. Grow up. Luke chapter 2 verse 52. It says, And Jesus... So Jesus, we're talking about the the man that we follow, that we believe is God, the one that not only paved a way for our salvation, but the one that modeled a life of how to live. And Jesus increased or grew in wisdom in stature and in favor with both God and with people. Go with me for a second, because this is a little bit of a crazy idea, but Jesus grew up. Despite what Ricky Bobby would have you believe, some of you have been way too Christian for way too long. You don't, you don't know that reference. Ask your unsafe friend. I never watched it. My wife told me about it, Okay. But despite what he would have you believe, we don't serve baby Jesus. Like Jesus grew up. He he matured. He moved forward. And Luke 2.52 is interesting because it gives us the obvious that, yes, he grew up physically. But it also says that he grew in wisdom. That his mind, his mentality, his mind grew. And get this. And he grew spiritually. Now, I don't understand all the theological complexities of what that actually means or entails. I'm just going to be real. I didn't go to seminary. Ask Pastor Brandon next week. Because he's fully God, but he grew. He grew spiritually. The guy that we follow, the guy that we're to emulate and to model our lives after, did not stay in immaturity. He did not stay in youthfulness. He grew up. The Bible actually talks about not just Jesus growing, but it also talks about us growing up. 1 Peter chapter 2, maybe chapter 2. It's in 1 Peter, I promise. Look it up later. It says that we are to grow up into our salvation. So, as followers of Jesus, we are to grow into our salvation. What does that mean? It means that we are growing, we are becoming, we are maturing, we are moving towards becoming the person that God already sees you as. That you are maturing into your salvation. So here's the question this morning. Is if Jesus grew up and he desires for us to grow up, how do we grow up? Like how do we? Because here's what I can just, I, I, can, I, I don't know you. I don't, I, I don't know you. I know like five of you. We'll get to know each other better one day. I don't know you, but I do know this. There's some part of you, some inkling, something in your spirit that recognizes you need to grow and that you want to grow. You would not be here at church on a beautiful Sunday if you didn't want to grow. If you thought you had arrived, you would be on the golf course with your buddies on the second six pack by now. You're at church, so there's, there's something saying, I know there's got to be more. I know that God has something else greater for me. I want to become, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better parent. I want to be more mature and invited. I want to grow in my relationship. I want to grow. <laughs> so if Jesus grew, he wants us to grow, and we want to grow, why aren't we growing? Like Why are some of us still stuck and we've been spinning in our wheels for years and God wants us to grow, we want to grow, yet we can't seem to move forward. I want to look at three or four scriptures today and look at a common theme that I think will add some clarity and context to this. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, one verse from the O.T., It's like OG, oh, just just different. Daniel chapter six verse ten. Have you had coffee this morning? I think I'm on my like sixth cup by now. <laughs> Daniel chapter six verse ten. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, context that the king implemented a rule by signing this document that everyone had to bow down to worship him, and if you didn't, it's a law. There's consequences, i.e., death penalty. If you do so. So Daniel learned that this document had been signed. And he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God. Listen to this. Just as he had done before. So this wasn't a new idea for Daniel. This wasn't like, oh, this new rule. I should start worshiping God. No, no, no. This is just what he did. See, when pressure enters our life, pressure does not create anything new. Pressure always exposes what is. That's That's the blessing of that past COVID season that, thank God, we're moving on. Because it exposed some things. I know what it exposed in me, some things I didn't like. About my heart, my mind, my anxiety, my trust in God. It exposes, and when the pressure was put on Daniel, he said, No, 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 I'm just gonna go back to what I always did. Acts chapter 17, verse 2, it's a verse about Paul. This is like the Christian of all Christians, wrote most of the New Testament. And it says this as usual, his habit, his practice, his discipline, in other words, as usual, Paul went into the synagogue. It's not a special occasion. It's just what he did. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, as usual, again those words, as usual, he, speaking of Jesus, entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Luke chapter 22, verse 39, he, speaking of Jesus again, went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. See, over and over and over, not just in Scripture, but in church history, we see the great men and women of our faith with usuals. And you and I have usuals as well. Like, think about it for a minute. What do you usually do? Some of you are here because this is what you usually do. Like, your kids didn't have to ask you, and congratulations if your kids didn't have to ask you, are we going to church today? It's just what we do. I didn't have to think about it. <laughs> oh, snap, it's Sunday. Get in the car. We're going to church. It's what we do. It's, it's our usual. We all have usuals. I usually stay up way too late and binge Netflix. It's just what I usually... I don't plan to do it necessarily. I just usually do it. I usually oversleep and hit snooze one or seven times. It's just what I usually do. I usually wake up and I grab my phone first thing and scroll social media until I have to pee so bad I have to get out of bed. At 38, that distance is getting a lot shorter. Had the thought last year, I'm like, it would be easier to just get a catheter installed. (laughs) Is that a thing? I usually shop or drink or somehow cope when I'm sad or tired or anxious. I'm, I'm usually so tired by the time I get off work. I just swing through a drive-thru for dinner and pick up whatever's fast and cheap and thank God for Wendy's $5 biggie bag that hasn't heard about inflation. <laughs> I'm usually way too busy to, to find time to read my Bible or pray and... All of us have usuallys. We have habits. We have practices. We have disciplines. And for the good or the bad, but we all have things we usually do. And here's the reality. Here's the truth. Here's the commonality for all of our usuallys, bad, good, or indifference. What I usually do, my habits, your habits, my practices, your practices, the disciplines of our life, what I usually do will shape who I am and who I'm becoming more than anything else. I had this thought during worship, and I didn't say this at the early ones, so you get a bonus. We over-spiritualize spiritual growth. Because you think it's all God. But spiritual growth is a tag team match with you and God working together with God's power of his Holy Spirit ultimately bringing about the change, but how he does it is through your usualies, your habits, your practices. And the problem with our usualies is we usually don't give any thought to what we usually do. We just kind of do it. I mean, I mean, think about the things that you usually do. You did not think five years ago, I should start this. I should start scrolling social media for 40 minutes while I sit on the toilet until my legs go numb. Like, I, I, never, I never consciously made that decision. I never was like, I don't like filling my feet. But yet I find myself with three kids hiding. Where's dad? Just, just scrolling. But today I want to put some thought to our usually's. Because when you put your thought to usually's, I love what the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 15. It says the sensible one, other translations use the word wise or prudent. The sensible one watches his steps. In other words, for us as followers of Jesus, we just don't step kind of, oh, I just usually, I, just, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, ah, just going through life, doing whatever. No, no, no. I watch my step. I'm intentional with my step. I think and give thought to my usually's. Because here's the deal. What you, When it comes to usually's, what you rarely do, rarely pays off. Some of you went to the gym one time and never been back because you're like, it didn't work. I mean, I, try, I tried it. It was 10 bucks and no, no sign-on bonus and f- free grape Tootsie Rolls. So I, I, I mean, and you've been paying that for two and a half years, $10 a month. You ain't even going for the free pizza no more. And you're like, it didn't work. But what you rarely do rarely works. You eat a salad once a week, good for you. You're just missing out because it ain't going to do nothing. And what you occasionally do will occasionally pay off. That's why you can read your Bible once a month, and God will still speak to you once a month. But what you usually do usually pays off. What you do as a habit, a practice, or a discipline with consistency will pay off. I've got some people that I go to the gym with that I've been going every day and see these same people and i I watch their workouts sometimes. Some of y'all go to Planet Fitness because it's a judgment-free zone. I go to the gym to judge people. (laughs) That's why I go to a gym full of old people because I'm like, I am the healthiest person in here. This is amazing. But I see what they do as a workout, and their workouts aren't even good. I'm like, bro, you were on your phone doing leg press. These jeans are a little too tight. I can't get full extension. And I'm like, you're not even... But I saw them for, and guess what? They're still making progress. Because whatever you usually do will usually pay off. Even if you don't do it perfect, even if you don't do it to the right standard, what you usually do will usually pay off. And so for me, I caught myself. About two and a half years ago, realizing that when it comes to spiritual growth, physical growth, mental growth, all the things that Jesus not only did, but has called me to, I realized I don't like not only where I am, but I don't like who I'm becoming. And when you take inventory of your life, some of us have come to that moment where you're like, I don't know. I don't know the person in the mirror and I don't like the person in the mirror. Wow. I was looking, self-evaluating, and I was like, man, to be just really transparent and really vulnerable, I was, I was fat. And um, I've been skinny my whole life, I didn't break 100 pounds till 10th grade. Why would you laugh at that, bro? <laughs> it's not a joke, we were working on our timing. But then I got married, had some kids, was in ministry, so I went from skinny to skinny fat. Skinny fat's cool because like, you look like you have it together while you got clothes on, but then you get naked or go to the beach in front of a lot of people. Not that I get naked in front of a lot of people, that sounded wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: but then you take your shirt off and people are like, oh. And then I went from skinny fat to straight fat. Like, I was just walking one day after I'd been over, and about five minutes later, the waistband of my underwear slapped me back. <laughs> like, what was that? What did I do to deserve that? You know, it would just happen in public. Sometimes I'd bend over, and it'd be like, <laughs> who hit me? <laughs> I was tired. Kids are like, Dad, let's jump on the trampoline. I'm like, no. I found myself passed out of sleep because I just didn't have the energy to keep up. I was depressed as a pastor, thinking, I don't know that I want to be here anymore. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe my kids would be better off if I wasn't. Seeing psychologists and therapy and on antidepressants for years and still stuck where I was, I was angry. I was mad at God because, Jesus, you, you said things like, hey, I gave you life and life to the full, and yet here I am. I'm doing ministry. I'm a lead pastor. I started a church. I got three kids. and My life sucks, and I hate it. I don't want it anymore. And I'm mad at God. I'm mad at me. I'm mad at my kids, and I'm just an angry person. And It was about this time of self-evaluation where I started looking at my usualies, And I realized that my usually's and what I did, my habits, my practices, my disciplines, the things that comprised my days were perfectly designed to get me exactly where I was. And many of us don't like where we are, yet unconsciously or consciously, we have crafted a life that got us exactly there but there's hope. Because just because you were there does not mean you have to stay there. And I started looking at my usuals, and it was about the same time I came across some teaching from a pastor with this idea of a rule of life. And I'd been at church since I was born. My granddad's a Methodist pastor, was retired. I'd grown up in church. I never had to ask, do we go to church? We were in church. And yet, I'd never heard this idea of a rule of life. But once I began studying it, it's not rules to life or for life, it's a rule of life, I realized that this concept was deeply rooted in the early church. And it was this idea to craft a life full of habits, practices, disciplines, the things we usually do intentionally in such a way that grows us into the person God's created and called us to be. In other words to create a life that gives God something for his spirit to work in and through to bring you to where he wants you. See we think rule as like a list of rules. We don't we think rule of ruler is like a measuring device, but this word comes at the root word regula which in those days was viewed more as a trellis. And I know none of you drink wine. Way to split a church, right? <laughs> Who thinks it was grape juice? But if you know anything about a vineyard or a grapevine, um, I've heard things, I, I've never been to one. And uh, they have trellises, and these trellises are so the vines can grow because here's the reality a grapevine will grow with or without a trellis, it'll just grow without structure and without purpose. It won't grow as much as it possibly could. Its fruit is left to be devoured by animals and wildlife. Those are kind of the same things, but I like separating wildlife and animals, you know. And so, so, so they put a trellis so the vine has structure. And the idea behind a rule of life is that trellis. That I'm going to look at my usuals and I'm going to build a trellis in which my life can grow and produce fruit. And so I'm going to look at my usual. Here's mine. Here's my rule of life. And a rule of life at its core is a list of things that I usually do. These aren't always. These are most of the times. These are my usuals. I wake up at 4.55 a.m. I did this morning. I used to wake up at 5 a.m. and I heard a guy, I think it was David Goggins or something, some idiot like that, you know. He was like, everybody wakes up at 5 a.m. I wake up at 4.55. I was like, 4.55 it is. I spend the first 30 minutes of my day in silence by myself. I just realized a long time ago, I'm not a very happy, joyful, loving, kind, gentle person when my kids wake me up screaming, yelling, fighting, yelling, demanding cereal, only to discover they don't like the cereal we got. I realized if I can beat them and just have some time with me and God first, to be still before him and with myself. Jesus modeled this. Over and over and over in the Gospels, you'll see Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. He often woke up early to be with himself before God. Just to get time with his father. And So I sit there with my cup of coffee for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, and I just... I don't pray, I don't read, I just sit with God. I spend time in the scriptures, I take the dog for a walk first thing, and I pray, most of the time I pray through the Lord's Prayer on these walks. The Lord's Prayer was never given to us by Jesus to be something we said before Little League baseball games. I had like a heathen coach, never been to church in his life, he's like, it's time to pray the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, what are we doing? But it was a guide, you know, it starts our father in heaven. So I take a few minutes and I'm God, you're my dad. You love me. You like me. You have a plan for my life. God, thanks for being my dad. Thanks for being my father. Thanks for being present in my life. And I just work through the Lord's prayers and outline as I walk the dog. I go to the gym. I went to the gym this morning, mainly because I wanted to pump before I took the stage, you know? (laughs) No, no. I'm better when I go to the gym mentally, spiritually. I tuck my kids at night and pray with them. I end every day laying in bed with the examine, which you can Google it, examine. It's just a a prayer method of which you walk through and examine your day with God. God, I did this, and how did I feel, and where were you, and then you said this, and I felt like you were late, and we just walk through our day together. I fast on Wednesdays. Again, Not always. Usually, fasting's a, a lost practice. I said it, and everybody's like, Daniel, fast. No, 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 I mean just, just water. And if, if you have a struggle in your life right now with saying no to something, let me just say this. If you have a struggle with an addiction, fast. Because what you're doing by fasting is saying, I want something, food, food but I'm going to teach my body I don't have to have what I think I want That's because good. I want something more. The reason you can't say no to pornography is because you've never taught your body and your mind that you have the ability to say no. You just think you have to, I, I feel it, I got it, I'm hungry. Some of us get that way at 11 o'clock. We're like, I'm hungry, where's lunch? You're good, bro. You're good. You can, you, you can control yourself. I gather with my small group, my, my crew, Every week, because I'm not good alone, I need people to do life together. I Sabbath on Saturdays, Sunday's a work day for me, because that's what churches make pastors do, work on Sundays, and so we Sabbath Friday night to Saturday, 24-hour period where we stop as a family. And I know some of us think that like we're, we're addicted to work, so we, we rationalize things and we say things like, well... You know, Jesus' is New Testament, New Covenant, and so, like, I enter into the Lord's rest. Yeah, but Jesus Sabbathed. And God put the Sabbath, in other words, 24-hour period where you stop working, stop producing, stop contributing to society in any valuable way, in the same list of don't kill people. He said, don't sleep with people that aren't your wife. Don't kill people and take a day off. <laughs> now, I, I get, I'm like, I don't know, God. Those seem like very different things. It was that serious to God. That's good. And so I Sabbath. And it reminds me every week that I'm not God and the world spends perfectly fine because I'm not. That I can just rest, worship, and enjoy time with my family to Sabbath. Every Sunday, I worship and I serve. I serve because I realize that church isn't about me. It's about God. It's about his people. So I didn't come to get something. I came to give something. And so I worship and I serve with my church family. These are my usually's. Not perfectly, not without messing up or without error, but this is what I usually do. And I'm telling you, it has created a life in which I'm growing like never before. Not perfectly. I am far from arriving. The closer you get to Jesus, the further you realize you are from becoming who he's called you to be. perhaps I've structured a life, because some of you are like, that's a lot, Brad. Uh, that's a lot of rules. I'm more of a free spirit. How's your spiritual growth going? Well, I, I like to, you know... Leave room for the Spirit of God. Yeah, me too. I've learned there's tons of freedom in discipline. That I can actually have a banana pudding from Bucky's yesterday because I didn't have a banana pudding the 20 days leading up to it. (laughs) This isn't physical, this is spiritual. But I've structured a life that does seem very rigid, but here's the deal. That's the life required... And the usuals required to produce the me that I feel like God has called and created me to be. Yours will be different. It should be different because God hasn't called you to be me. And he's not called me to be you. We're different people with different purposes, different callings, different seasons of life. And they all require different usualies. But please, let me beg you and plead you. Look at your usuallys. And are your usualies creating anxiety or peace? Are your usually creating a, a joyful person or a hateful person? Are, are the, your usually creating a person that's going to be able to play with your grandkids or be in a wheelchair? That got too real, didn't it? Are your usually, your trellis, your rule of life, is it creating the you that God has called you to be? You know, when I think, and I close with this, I say I close with this because every person with ADD immediately tunes back in. (laughs) But I close with this. Think about the early church. Think about Jesus, pre-early church. He was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher, and he did what all Jewish teachers and rabbis did: he recruited disciples. See, the idea of a rabbi coming up to somebody and saying, follow me, was not a Jesus thing. It was a rabbi thing. And so Jesus recruited these young men as disciples. And the point of a disciple was this. To be with their rabbi and become like their rabbi. To be with him. In other words, to be around him and take on his usualies. The chief aim was to eventually do what your rabbi did, so the way that you did what he did was by doing what he did. Like, dang, I saw Jesus. Hey, hey, y'all, Jesus wakes up early. Do we have to do that? I think we should do that. Jesus prays. That's why the disciples say, teach us to pray how you pray, because we want to pray like you, because we want to be like you. And you can be a Christian and not be a disciple. You can be a follower of Jesus and not be a disciple of Jesus. Because a disciple of Jesus requires discipline. So you can be a follower of Jesus and get to heaven one day and sing Kumbaya with the rest of us forever. Or you can venture out on this idea In this lifelong journey of being a disciple of Jesus, taking on his practices, taking on his disciplines, usually doing what Jesus usually did, and create and structure a life in which you begin to bear fruit. What fruit? Well, Galatians tells us the fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, forbearance. There's a couple more, I don't remember. But when we take on the usualies of Jesus, we begin to produce what Jesus produced. And so maybe you're like me this morning. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and your usualies just have gotten you to a place that that you never wanted to be. And you're stuck and you're tired and you're angry and you're lonely. And you've actually given up hope because you think this is just what it is. Can I encourage you with the same words that Jesus said to these young men? Follow me. Don't just give your life to me. Don't just give your heart to me. No, follow me. Let my patterns, let my usuallys become yours. And watch what his spirit begins to do. Some of us just need to make a commitment today. I'm going to follow Jesus. He he, he said get baptized, I'm going to get baptized. He woke up early, I'm going to wake up early. He, he prayed, I'm going to pray. He went to church, I'm going to go to church. And watch what the Spirit of God begins doing through your new usualies. Oh, it might feel like you're just going through the motions. and Just, just watch. What you usually do usually bears fruit. And for some of us, God, even as followers of Jesus, he's telling us this morning, no, 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 you're stuck, follow me. Because God's moving forward, church. He's not stagnant, he's not still. The Spirit of God is breathing and moving and calling and beckoning and inviting you and I forward. So will you follow him, not just as a follower, but as a disciple? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. We thank you for Jesus and the pattern that he set to show us not just how to get to heaven, but to show us how to live as human beings. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of God, you're not a Christian. And I just want you to know that Jesus loves you so much, he loves you exactly where you are. And he died on a cross to forgive you of your sins so that yes, one day you could get into heaven, but he did it also so that you could live a life and life to the full, full of joy, full of purpose, full of meaning. A full life. And it all starts with receiving and believing. The Bible says to believe, to believe that he didn't just die for somebody else or your neighbor or your mom. No, 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 he died for you. And then to confess him as Lord. In other words, say out loud, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Take take the keys. I've messed this thing up. You need to show me how to drive it a little bit. If you're here right now, maybe you're watching online, you can do this right where you're at. If that's you and you want to make that decision to give your life to Jesus, would you slip your hand up? Nobody else is looking around. Just say, that's me giving my life to Jesus right now. Somebody's going to put a clipboard in your hand. We just want to help get some information because we want to follow up and come alongside you to serve you in this journey of following Jesus and becoming a disciple of his. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for what your spirit is doing, God. Thank you for breathing in this place. Thank you for leading us and calling us forward. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.